Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the cutting edge doc. And here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with people doing cutting-edge work in the areas of healing and spirituality and social transformation. I'm really looking forward to today's show, where we're going to be interviewing Landon Carter and his wife, Diane, about relationships and transformation. As some of you know, I'm very interested in a topic called the ecology of transformation. In other words, what are the conditions that foster transformation in individuals? And once we have a critical mass of transformed individuals, what are the implications of that for human relationships, romantic relationships, friendships, groups, organizations, communities, and beyond? And Landon and Diane have gone through the fire of purification in the area of romantic relationships. And their commitment is to share with you and empower you so that you can be empowered in relation to romantic relationships. So it's an exciting, juicy interview, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Talk to you later. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, also known as the Cutting Edge Doc. And here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with people that are doing cutting-edge work in the areas of healing and spirituality and social transformation. And I'm particularly excited about today's show. Those of you who've been following me from the beginning know that back in episode one, when I was being interviewed, and uh, I was being asked about what I would like to impact through this show, and I was talking about all the different areas of life in our society today that where there's a lot of breakdowns and things don't seem to be working too well. And one of the things that I mentioned was the area of relationships and sexuality, and that there was a lot of room for improvement there. And, uh, you know, for me, I know the quality of my close relationships are probably the thing, the biggest thing that influences the overall quality of how I feel and my outlook on life. And it's just absolutely huge. And so I'm really excited today to have with us, this is actually the first time we've done this, where we're actually have interviewing two people. We're actually interviewing a couple, a committed couple, Landon Carter and Diane Covington Carter. And I'm going to read you their bios, but first I just wanted to formally welcome Diane and Landon to the show. And so uh, welcome. It's really a privilege to to have you here. We're excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, thanks, David. We're, we're really pleased to be invited and uh, to share what we have to share. So Great. So I'm going to read you the bio that they sent me about themselves, and then we'll get right into the conversation. 
So Landon Carter has been involved in the human potential movement and spiritual practices since 1972 as student, practitioner, trainer, and coach. He has written three books that collectively define a path to enlightenment, freedom from upsets, and deeper love and connection using intimate relationships as the vehicle. They are Living Awake, Falling in Love Backwards with His Wife, Diane, and The Awakened Relationship. Landon lives with Diane in Nevada City, California, and Golden Bay, New Zealand. He enjoys competitive rowing at the national and international level, biking, skiing, and glider flying. Now on to Diane's bio. Diane Covington Carter graduated with honors from UCLA and has received awards for her writing, photography, and national public radio commentaries. She's been a life coach for over 30 years on a quest to discover the truth about the mysteries of happiness and love, both for herself and others. And both Landon and Diane can be reached at www.fallinginlovebackwards, that's plural backwards, fallinginlovebackwards.com. So again, uh, Diane and Landon, welcome to the program. Thanks, David. Thank you. We're pleased to be here. One thing I need to mention before we really get into it is that um, those of you who know me well know that um, one of the most important um, experiences of my life was doing the S training in February of 1975 in Los Angeles. Um, I was a couple of months short of my 19th birthday. And... Uh, for me, it was really the seminal moment in my life where I really tapped into my awareness of my infinite self beyond conditioning. And I had the privilege of having Landon Carter, Landon, the person we're speaking to now, Landon was my trainer both weekends. And I had the opportunity after I did the S training to assist in many, many other trainings and to... Uh, see many other trainers and other trainings. And even though uh, the party line at the time was that it didn't matter who your trainer was, I never really had that experience. I, my, I had a sense of um, the training that the training that Landon did with our group. Uh, I had a sense that there was a depth of uh, spirituality to that training that I didn't find in other trainings. And I think that was a uh, foreshadowing of things to come in Landon's life. And I just, uh, I've mentioned this to Landon personally, but I just want to say publicly how uh, grateful I am that um, Landon uh, was my trainer during those two weekends. So really appreciate it, Landon. That's great, David. I, I love to hear, um, you know, we were, we were both of us Actually, while while you were learning, I was learning as well because you you uh, you teach what you need to learn, and uh, I was probably a slower learner than you, even though it may have looked at the time that I was the you know the one that knew what I was talking about. I mean, I did at a level, but uh, to to take those things that we were uh, both learning at the time and to really embody them. And to have them manifest in my life um, has been, you know, a, a lengthy journey. 
So, um, yeah, if we both had our kind of our start back in those days, I'd forgotten you were so young. I, I, <laughs> well, I just I just had my 59th birthday. Yeah, well, I just had my 72nd. So. <laughs> I guess 70 ain't what it used to be. No, no. no at least I don't know because I, I haven't been here. But um, <laughs> I can tell you that uh, it's better than it's ever been in my life. I'm more in love. We have a better, I mean, more than I can ever have imagined. And uh, here we are, you know, quote, uh, seniors. <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine <laughs> that it's so good. Okay, well, um, the reason that I invited Diane and Landon to be on the show is that they're going to be sharing their own personal journeys uh, both individually and together. And they've really gone through the crucible. They've really gone through the fire of purification when it comes to intimate relationships. I know they both had a lot of challenges and a lot of baggage that they brought into their current relationship. And yet somehow they were able to be with themselves and be, be with each other in such a way that the blockages didn't end up being a stop but it ended up being grist for the mill uh, for the deepening of their love and their trust and their passion for each other. And so, you know, this is, I think, a, a hero's journey that uh, all of us have a fascination with. And there is such a, uh, such a scarcity of legitimate role models for mature adult passionate love in our culture that uh, to be able to be with the two of you uh, where you've had where you've lived this and you've actually gone through this um, is something that is going to be a great blessing to myself and to all of the listeners so um, what I want to do is just kind of turn the show over to you guys for a while and uh let you guys kind of tell your story, maybe individually first, um, that kind of will create a, a, an empowering context for our listening so that later on in the interview, when we get into more details about the current work that you're doing, uh, it'll really land for us deeply the way that you would like your communications to land. So let me just turn it over to you guys for a while. Okay, so this is Diane, and um, I want to start by saying that I did the S training uh, in 78, and then in 1979, I went off to the mountains to do the six-day training with this guy named Landon Carter, and, um, you know, jumped off a mountain on a zip line and did all these things that at the time were totally terrifying for me, and uh, learned that I could be afraid and it didn't have to stop me, that fear was something that I could feel and go ahead. So <clears throat> I went home and took a whole different direction in my life. I had two young children. I'd been married since I was 19. And I went off on my own and pursued what was really my heart's desire, which was to learn more about myself and personal growth and uh, studied all kinds of different <clears throat> modalities clearing, coaching, <clears throat> excuse me, writing. I just went for it. And 30 years later, um, thought of Landon out of the blue and read his book, Living Awake, 
and just wanted to get together with him to talk about the book because I am an award-winning writer. And that's when our journey, our, our journey, that's when our lives crossed paths again. He did not remember me from the sixth day, but of course I remembered him. So I'll let you go from there, Landon. Mm. Well, I, there's a lot more to Diane's life than that short, uh, uh, brief. Well, let uh, me say one more thing. Yeah, no, I, okay. yeah I mean, I, I can't let Diane off the hook with that by itself. I mean, <laughs> okay. we need to go a lot deeper than this. <laughs> well, what I would say is that I, um, when I met Landon at the sixth day, I thought he was the most incredible man I had ever met. And I was married and he was married. So he, he was just somebody completely out of reach but um you know he stayed with me and and i was single it turned out for 30 years um before we crossed paths i i had a lot of relationships i learned a lot and you know i was working on myself basically really hard and i feel like i went as far as i could go on my own um and the rest had to come through a very deep powerful intimate relationship with a man that was really strong and powerful. And so it turned out to be Landon. And so I, I feel like I also got strong enough in those 30 years to be able to be with him through what he went through in our relationship, which started out that I just wasn't it at all. And, um, you know, that brought up all my own, what, what was left of my own insecurities about that I wasn't good enough. But, you know, I'd really dealt with a lot of that. But it was it was deep when it came up with Landon, but there was something between us that was so real and so alive, and I could feel what we could have, which we have now, and that was just so amazing because one of the things I'd gotten in touch with through my 30 years on my own was my own sense of what I know, and I don't know if it's feminine or what, but I knew when I, when I met him again that we could have something really amazing, and we do. So I'm really thrilled that I was able to kind of make the journey with him through the, you know, what felt at times like a roller coaster or stormy seas and just, you know, come out, come out where we are now. Because we have everything I've ever wanted in a relationship. You know, we can talk about anything. We don't get upset with each other. We're able to own our own upsets and, um, and just this deep, deep love which I feel for you and, you know, it's so nurturing mm. to love and be loved like that. Mm. I know how frustrating it can be when you know in your cells, you know that there's a possibility of something magical happening for, for the two of you and the other person doesn't necessarily get it or see it or share that. It, I know how difficult it can be to just be with that and then to make a decision about whether to just keep holding space for that possibility in an active way or to release it and let it go and focus elsewhere. That 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 must have been a very uh that must have been a very challenging and exciting time for you when 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 you had that knowingness, but Landon didn't necessarily have that knowingness at the same time. That's true. But one of the things that kept me going was I knew who he was from having spent those six days with him, you know, all those years ago. I mean, he he is such a, a good person and I, I knew how much integrity he had. And somehow he was trying to true up to his own sense of what was true for him. 
And, you know, we had these incredible experiences together and they, they were really real. And then that would bring him back to the fact that the other things that were going on were just thoughts rather than what was really real. Mm -hmm. But I had to stand up to him and many times and that strength, I feel like I had to stand up to him and to stay with him through it came from originally the sixth day. You know, I, I started out on that path for 30 years and all those 30 years I got strong so I could come back around and actually help him through what turned out to be his last big barrier, which was to the love and deep intimate relationship. Well, I think this is a great example about how individual transformation is almost a necessary, but you know, not necessarily sufficient condition, but it's certainly a, a necessary condition among the players for the possibility of transformed relationships. I think, I think this is a demonstration of that because if either of you didn't have a way to hold what was arising for you or what was arising for the other person in a way that allowed things to continue to move forward, the whole thing would have blown up sooner Absolutely. or later. Absolutely, it yeah. would have. Yeah, for, for sure. Now it's your turn. My turn. All right. So I'm going to start back a, uh, a ways. If you say journey is usually a start, so I'll choose a start here. Um, you know, I, I <laughs> grew up as a, a, a kind of an overachiever. And, uh, and if I, you really look at, at the dynamics of overachieving, um, and you look at that deeply, you'll see that uh, there's a, a not good enough or a not okay or, a, a, you know, that I feel insufficient or there's something missing. So down deep in the core of Landon Carter's personality was this deep-seated insecurity of not being good enough. And, of course... What you then saw on the outside were all of these achievements and, you know, captain of this sport and captain of, you know, rugby team and a captain of a skiing team and, you know, doing well at Yale and doing well at Harvard Business School and, uh, you know, all of these things that I did. And then um, I actually uh, got married to the sister of my roommate at prep school at Andover. And uh, I had decided to marry her when I was 14, I think, and she was 11. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, and somehow I thought kind of the, the American dream, if you do everything right and you're, you, you excel in this system of, you know, the kind of Horatio, Horatio Alger system of, achievement and you marry the right person i married the right girl you know etc um that somehow or other you're going to walk off into the sunset happily ever after well when we were in the peace corps she left me as she should have because landon was way way too insensitive way too full of himself and and arrogant in a sense and um and there just wasn't any space for her and, or any empathy or any kind of sense of, uh, of what her needs were and, and my ability to, to fill them. So um, thank, you know, thank, thank her for my, my first wake-up call, which was 
you know, that, uh, you know, things weren't working out for Landon Carter all of a sudden for the first time in his life. And then I went to Aspen, Colorado for my ideal job of developing Snowmass at Aspen. And here I was in, in paradise. I don't know how many of the listeners here have been to Aspen, Colorado, but it's a beautiful uh, city in the, uh, or town in the, uh, in the Rocky Mountains. And I'm, I was the captain of the ski team at Yale and taught skiing, et cetera. So here I was in my ideal environment skiing in the middle, you know, in the, my noon hours where I'd grab a sandwich and take it up the lift and ski at my noon hour at work. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I was racing motorcycles and, and in the summer and, you know, living a life in Aspen, Colorado. And I was deeply unhappy. And I thought, what's wrong? I have kind of everything. I've got money in the bank. I've got a condominium on the ski slope and, um, you know, a girlfriend. And I mean, you know, I, I don't know what else to add to this picture to somehow or other make me happy when I'm feeling dissatisfied and, and unhappy. And in retrospect, that wake-up call, I would call a topping out rather than a bottom, bottoming out. You know, a lot of people get to a bottomed out, bottom out place where their, you know, their life is so miserable and terrible. And then they look around and say, well, I must be some, have something to do with the fact that my life is so miserable and terrible and uh, I better do something about it. So they kind of wake up and the same thing I think can happen at the top. You've got everything and then you're not happy and what's missing here. And so at that point, I went over to India. I actually read Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda's book. He had passed away by that time. This was 1971. And um, he had passed away. I ran into the, the uh, uh, works of Satya Sai Baba, translated into English, of course, because he speaks Telugu. And, um, and I said, well, here's, a, here's somebody who is a, a saint and... Um, gee, I mean, I better go over and, and take a look and see for myself. And so I went to India. I spent uh, the next seven or eight months there. I was going to go up to climb up in the, in the Himalayas. And I, I never left, never left uh, Satya Sai Baba and meditated six hours a day. Big change in my life. And anyway, I came back with a kind of a whole different sense of myself and feeling kind of filled up and, and that, I was, that I was loved for the first time and, and accepted. And, uh, and that's when I did the S training in Aspen and then became an S trainer. And uh, you know, you've already talked about that part, David. And so I, for the next seven years, I was an S trainer and, and uh, uh, trained about oh, 50, 60,000 people over the course of that next seven years, I developed what was called the six-day course and, and led that. And, um, <clears throat> and that was a big, big uh, time of learning, I would say, in my life. And then I, I kind of got burned out. And part of the reason I got burned out, I would say, was because I wasn't, I was more the teacher and there was a bit of ego involved in you know, kind of me being the know-it-all teacher. And I wasn't open to receiving from my students what I should have been receiving. Um, 
And so I, I, I anyway, I was burned out. I, um, I then, I was married at the time, a couple of children. We had another one in the, uh, in the 80s. And I was raising, I went to raising a family. I actually ended up doing the Iditarod dog sled race in that time period. Um, I started a number of businesses, um, succeeded at some, failed at another. Um, and that took me all the way through the 80s until kind of the late 80s. And, um, and then I um, was consulting to uh, large businesses, doing uh, team building, et cetera. Well, so somewhere in this time period, I got married. I had gotten married in, uh, uh, in the 70s, early 70s, from, uh, uh, to a woman in, in Hawaii. And, um, and we'd had children, et cetera. And we got divorced in the early 90s. So while I have been learning a tremendous amount about who I, who I am and who I and, and kind of struggling with this whole how to create reality and um, and how does this how does this the metaphysics of the world we live in how does it work actually and um, how do I make my life work and I must say that my wife and I we we worked hard at um, at trying to have our relationship be the best possible. But I also must say that we didn't know what we needed to know in order to uh, manifest and realize that possibility. So we um, ended up divorcing in the early 90s. Um, I had many serial monogamous relationships after that. Um, and in 2004, um, you know, there I am, or 2003, I'm 60, and I said, you know, I better write down the things that I think are important for my children to know, because I've never really sat down and, and told them the total story of, of what I think is important for them to know, kind of like the manual for how to be successful in the, on the, as a human being on planet Earth. <laughs> The one with the manual we should have gotten when we were born, but never seemed to. So that was a combination, of course, my the things I'd learned in Est, um, the things I'd learned um, with LifeSpring as a trainer with LifeSpring, the things I'd learned from um, from uh, uh, Lazarus, uh, who was a channeled entity that I, I studied with for a while. Um, <clears throat> a number of my Vipassana, I've done four 10-day silent Vipassana retreats. And so there was an, um, a whole kind of I'd sifted through an enormous amount of material, experiential, uh, human potential, spiritual material and readings. And, and I'd studied Buddhism and, and done all those kinds of things. And, and so Living Awake was kind of my synthesis of what I thought were the most important fun foundation distinctions, tools and understandings that one would need to know in order to have a successful life. And part of that book, in part of that book, I, I mentioned the idea that you could have a relationship with someone that, that had both a deep intimate connection 
and a total freedom to be oneself. And while I had not really manifested that in my own life, I'd had glimpses of it. I hadn't had a partner who was strong enough to stand up to me to actually realize and manifest that. And, um, and of course, Diane was the one that finally <laughs> was that partner. And it's interesting that she, she came, you know, that I, I trained her in, in the late 70s in that six-day course. And then she came around to help me make my Living Awake book better with more stories and shorter paragraphs. And she even took out the thuses, which I had in the book. <laughs> with my, and, uh, and the therefores. And the therefores. And, uh, um, and so she came back to help me with that. And then our, our relationship is then documented in our book that we wrote together called Falling in Love Backwards. An unlikely tale of happily ever after. Yeah, an unlikely tale of happily ever after. Because <laughs> while it starts off with she's not it, it ends up that, um, you know, after me... Um, I would say dealing with a couple of the very basic in uh, that basic, basic insecurity that I had, st I started off this journey with the one of being separate, the one of being, I'm not, I'm not good enough. And certainly the one of the, this isn't it. And so the underlying, this isn't it that had shadowed my life or cast a shadow over my life and rob me of the satisfaction that was possible. Um, Diane, of course, was the was an element in the this isn't it by, by her not being it. And I had a really hard time. So as I mentioned, I started the journey with uh, these fundamental, very deep um, core issues uh, of that I'm not good enough, that I'm separate, and that, uh, and that this isn't it, that this reality that I live in isn't quite it. It's, it's almost, but not quite it. And that had overshadowed my life and robbed me of the satisfaction that I'd always wanted and never could quite have. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have moments, but not a continuous sense of satisfaction. And of course, if this isn't it in terms of my reality, well then Diane, here's this final push I'm committed to having a relationship that I want but I've got to be sure that she's it and of course if I have a this isn't it how could she possibly be it so I needed to resolve that and Diane's love for me and her constancy in terms of just showing up and being herself and and her trusting that we could have what we what we often had but um every once in a while then I would fall off the rails with uh, <laughs> with this, this isn't it, and oh my God, and is she it, and et cetera. And that it was through resolving that that I finally went, oh my God, I've got what I want. I mean, if I didn't want to be with Diane, who would I want to be with? Diane. And so here I was surrounded by what I, the reality of what I'd always wanted. And that's what allowed me to surrender to loving her fully and for us to then have that, that this is it as our foundation. 
and um, and and then our relationship has just blossomed into the happily ever after since then. Um, it's interesting, David, just to go back to the original training that you and I did together in 1975. If you'll remember, the main point of that was this is it. And, you know, it's taken me, <laughs> that was 40 years ago, brother, <laughs> taken me 40 years to actually kind of ground it in myself where I'm actually living out of that reality, even though I knew that that was the truth all of those years. So from head to heart and into the embodiment sometimes takes so longer than one would wish. So that's kind of the, the journey um, at least up until this point, why don't we uh, go from here? Is there something you want to ask, David? Because I have something I'd love to. Throw yeah, go. In, no, if that's okay. Go, go, go. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I had gotten very clear about in my journey of being single and lots of relationships uh, was that I wanted a partner who really wanted to be awake, you know, and who wanted I wanted to have that quality in my relationship, and that's you know, one of the reasons I was so excited when Landon and I crossed paths and we had this amazing connection. Um, that's what made me stick with it. And one of the things we love is, is talking about the machinery of the mind, you know, like actually catching our minds, machinery and action and just saying, wow, look what, look what just my mind just did, you know, and we, we're always talking about that. And one of the things we, we came up with was that he had had this phantom ideal relationship that he carried around with him you know he thought he sort of knew what she looked like she was kind of skinny and blonde and probably 20 years younger than him <laughs> but you know no woman could ever measure up to that I wasn't the only one and yet the phantom was always kind of undistinguishable like it never really showed its full face so he could never satisfy it so that was really interesting yeah so. yeah so anyway, we, we really enjoy the journey of, you know, his book is called Living Awake and, you know, of trying to really live awake. And it's made such a difference in the quality of our relationship. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to say. Okay. Well, that's beautiful. And uh, I think it's a good time to start to segue the conversation into how you guys have discovered is a workable way to share and communicate about what you've discovered in a way that other people can stand on that and have some amazing results. So maybe you could start to talk about what are some of the biggest blockages that the people you interact with come into their relationships with and into their relationships with you with? And what is it about the way you guys work with people that helps them to have these breakthroughs where maybe they worked for decades and decades before on their own or with other people? What's, what's unique and distinct about what you guys are doing? What's working so, what's working so powerfully? Okay, well, I'll go first on that. Um, our book, Falling in Love Backwards, An Unlikely Tale of Happily Ever After, kind of tells the story of what we went through. It's my voice and then Landon's voice all the way through our journey to getting married and a really great, wonderful wedding celebration here on this little farm we live on in Nevada City. And then the book of The Awakened Relationship 
that Landon wrote uh, just comes out of that. People kind of wanted a handbook of how do, how do we do this? And I'd say the bottom line was that uh, we, we, the way we work together and the way we encourage couples that we work with is you've got to be willing to take responsibility for your own upsets. You've got to be willing to look at yourself and say, wow, I'm really upset here rather than just, you know, starting to blame the other person. And, um, you know, for me, when Landon would say I wasn't it after we'd been really close, of course, that was my I'm not good enough, which I didn't even realize that I, I had that still left. But there it was, you know. And so um, I, you know, in the middle of an upset, rather than blaming him, I could go, wow, yeah, I still, I still got that wound that I'm not good enough. There it is. It just hurts like hell, you know? <laughs> and um, so um, that, that's a key ingredient there is each person talking, you know, staying in the conversation, but no blame, continuing to look at themselves and what, what it is, you know, that they're feeling. You want to just yeah, jump no, in it's on fine. that? I, um, I might frame it a little bit. Um, the, the essence of it is what Diane just said. The, the framing is, is, uh, is that, oh, let's see, you can't, you, you have to kind of get yourself out of the notion that anything outside of yourself is actually responsible for your feelings, your reaction. And it doesn't mean that the things outside of you, i.e. what your partner says or the situations in your life, it doesn't mean that they're not the triggering element. In other words, they, they trigger, they, they push that particular button of and bring up that wound but the healing of it since since no situation is in is inherently uh um not meaningful well it had no nothing is meaningful so to speak in terms of it has no inherent meaning in of itself but the um but there's no there's no stock reaction that's an automat that's actually automatically truthfully consistent. So, for example, somebody could say something, and one person has one reaction, another person has another reaction. Well, that that in and of itself says that the reaction is is personal and has nothing to do with the the, the situation, or not not inherently has something to do with the situation. So there's a there's a disengagement of the entire mechanism that you and I and all people, certainly in the Western world that I know of, have been entrained into. And that is that something on the outside is going to cause me to feel certain ways. And the, of course, all of the advertising promotes that. Um, you know, we are, we are, uh, literally entrained into that. Um, I won't get into all of that, that everything, everybody has a sense of that. But one of the things that's, that happens when you quote, fall in love is that it looks like the, all these good feelings I have and being accepted, finally accepted 
And finally, I can let down my guard. And finally, I can feel this, this euphoria rushing through my body. And, um, and it has something to do with her or him, with the, my, quote, new partner. And it has something to do with the way they are. Now, a couple of problems here. One is not the experience of falling in love. Everybody loves that and, and poets write about it. It's the hook, that it hooks you in to this, once again, to this sense of what we used to call false cause, meaning that the outside environment, the outside, something on the outside caused your internal experience. So, Two, two problems. One is part of what you fell in love with was your fantasy and not a reality. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know how fast it takes to fall in love for all of us that have done that. And I have certainly done that. Um, you know, you don't even know that person really. And so you filled in a lot of the gaps with your own fantasy of, uh, of, of who she is or, or who he is either way. And, um, and now when the reality of this person starts to show up, it becomes a threat to the fantasy of the person. And especially if the reality doesn't fit, isn't uh, uh, nurturing to you, you're, <laughs> you're going to blame her or him for somehow or other ruining this experience that you were having. And you'll try to manipulate that person back into the, quote, way she was or the way he was. This is a major problem. And what it does, it, it, from my perspective, I call it, it's trying to deal with the upset or deal with these now negative feelings at the wrong level. Okay. That's good. So, so, so as I'm listening to you, I, what I'm hearing is I'm hearing a lot of principles and ideas that you and I were exposed to 40 years ago, but there's something about who you've become and there's something about your work now that is bringing this alive and present for people in a way that it obviously wasn't present, at least not present for you 40 years ago. So what is it about the way you guys are working with these principles that is unique because what you're talking about, these are principles that other people have described before, but there's something about the way you guys are being with this and working with it that's bringing it to life for people, like you said, in the heart and in the cells. Yeah, so David, the, I'd say that the main thing and, and, and by the way, this is why I think we're able to share what I'm going to talk about is why I think we're able to share something that people can fairly immediately um, put into their own lives. Uh, they don't have to go through 40 years of struggle with it, as I did. Um, and that is you have to be committed to who you are as a being versus and what you're able to create out of that versus who you have been and who you often show up being when you're asleep and when you're triggered 
which is your personality and your ego and your ego, which is your ego personality, which is all based on prior programming and its game is I'm right. You're wrong. I'm better than you or, you know, for me, I'm worse than you. And I've got justifications for that. And, or, and basically playing the game of this isn't it. So you have to become a warrior against your own mind. And you have to see that the benefit of that is going to be more freedom to be yourself and to create what you always wanted. And when I say off, often, when I say create what you always want, it's almost really the ability to surrender to often to what you have and to and to find the joy and the happiness and the love in what you have because it's all there it's all here available to you in any moment it's the only time you're ever going to experience it and so it's it's so it's a combination of of yourself knowing yourself to be the context the the emptiness the nothingness that is that is able to observe this this you know fun, somewhat dysfunctional functional and dysfunctional ego personality yeah and to and to let go of those dysfunctional aspects and to surrender to the what's possible in the moment Diane yeah. is there something you want to say David before I jump in well I just want to reiterate what I was saying before that as I'm listening to you Landon <clears throat> the uh, the principles and the requirements that are needed in order to live this way sound to me very similar to what we learned 40 years ago. And what I want to get at is I want to get at what the what the something extra is beyond that or or with that that allowed all of that to come to life for you guys in such a way that it's showing up as two human beings able to practice that in intimate relationships. Like, um, so unless I'm missing something, what I'm hearing you say, Landon, is a pretty close reiteration to what we were talking about 40 years ago. And I know from the reading that I've done that, um, you guys are providing new distinctions and new practices uh, kind of at the nitty gritty level of what do we do tomorrow and what do we do on Sunday and what do we do when we're upset and how do we, you know, there's like a, there's like a level of, um, of humanity. There's a level of being in the trenches with all of this that I want to be getting at in this conversation, because I think what you're saying so far are things that many of my listeners would already go. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But there's some gap between the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is true. And being able to show up like that on Monday. And I want to get at, I want to, I want the conversation to move more toward, getting at that gap okay so i'll jump in here because i believe in stories that's 
Um, and I, I will tell a few stories from our book, Falling in Love Backwards, because um, <clears throat> the reason it was backwards was that, you know, we fell right into some major uh, upsets that most people would have run away. And I had some girlfriends who told me, you know, you get out of there right now. And, uh, and we didn't, you know, we, we maneuvered our way through. It was some kind of grace, I would say. Um, so, you know, for an example, we had gotten really, really close and, um, we were staying connected by phone and Skype because Landon was in New Zealand and he said, okay, I surrendered to loving you. So I bought my ticket to New Zealand and, you know, very expensive proposition, took time off, you know, arranged my life so I could be gone for three weeks. And when I got off the plane, after traveling for 24 hours, he wouldn't hug me because when he watched me walk to, you know, the, um, what do you call it? Arrival area. <laughs> yeah. He watched me walk up the plane. He got, Oh my God, she's not it. You know? So he wouldn't hug me. And finally I said, okay, we need to talk. This is ridiculous. What's going on with you? And, um, you know, it was just really the most challenging maybe experience of my life. And, um, but because I was there with him for another 19 days, we, we, you know, figured out a way I thought, Hey, he was my six day trainer. We can have this be the 19 day training. And I said, Hey, you know, we're stuck together here and um, let's just make this an amazing experience for both of us where we will learn about relationship with each other and we'll either end up together or we won't because we both want a relationship. And so for these 19 days, you know, are you willing to be all in and are you willing to have a passionate love affair and we'll agree to always love each other? And he said, OK, but no commitment at the end. So that was one of our very big, you know, feet in the fire experiences for both of us. But what I learned in that was to be to stay open and to stay tender and to stay vulnerable no matter what. And that was huge for me because, you know, I had gotten myself pretty well, kind of gotten my heart kind of barricaded off uh, through the years. And so what what we learned was that upsets, which most people avoid like crazy and walk on eggshells with each other, that upsets are really the key and the doorway to to healing and then to the deeper intimacy and love. Because over the 19 days, we just, we, you know, we was a real roller coaster, but because he would again go, this isn't it with me, but we kept getting closer and closer. And so ultimately, you know, by the time we got back from New Zealand, he ended up moving in with me two months later here in Nevada City. We still had a long way to go. It was like two years later that we got married. But, um, you know, I think most people don't realize that when they're up, when they're upset with each other, that's the good. That's a good thing. <laughs> that means something's coming up to get healed, and you can't get to that real deep stuff unless you're intimate with somebody and vulnerable. You know, and so it takes a tremendous, you know, the warrior kind of spirit to stay strong when you're in pain. It's really painful this stuff, but. The healing is so huge, and that's where now we, you know, we have so much freedom. Sure. So, does that answer it a little bit, David? I think we're getting at the level that I'm interested in getting at. Like, like if we can go deeper into that story, like, um, like when when he would tell you that you're not it, um, what would you do? 
okay. to, to support you in staying in a powerful place? And then what kinds of things would you say or do? Okay, okay I'll give you a perfect example. It was about halfway through that 19-day experiment, and we'd had wonderful, deep, intimate times. And then, you know, we were up in the mountains. He was doing some gliding, and he'd been really kind of nasty all day. And we were supposed to have a date that night, and he was being really cold. And I said, what is going on with you? And he said, well, you're just, you know, I, there's no us. I don't, there's no us walking down the street. I never wanted to be with you. I mean, it's just like the most harsh thing he could have said to me and I could hear my mind screaming I could hear my ego screaming oh my god you need to get out you need to go walk down the two-lane mountain road now by yourself just get out of here and then the other side is I could hear my deeper self saying now you just breathe and you just stay open and you just stay tender so I had like two radio stations in my head and I think that's key the people have to get to the deeper place within themselves that is beyond what their ego's going to say. The ego's always going to tell you to run. So I just breathed. And finally, he said to me, what are you doing? I didn't react. And I said, well, I, I'm actually praying right now, which is, you know, how I called it. I was just trying to stay centered within myself. And we really, I didn't react. I just, you know, kind of got, you know, the thing from S. I got his communication. And um, a little while later, I said, you know, those are just thoughts that you had there. Those are just your thoughts. And I know who he was, that he didn't want to be governed by his thoughts. He wanted to be governed by something deeper. And we actually got through that night and the next morning had a good talk. And, uh, and then he even said to me a little while later, thank you for not abandoning me in my pain. And I said, wow, if you could have told me what you told me, as this is my pain, I could have, it could have been so much easier for me. So we both learned a huge lesson that night. You know, he learned that that was his pain. And we also learned, you know, how to communicate better in those kind of situations. But after that, that was, I'd say that was a turning point when you landed. It was definitely a turning point. Yeah. I mean, do you want to say anything about what, what happened for you that night? Because no, I was, I, I just, it's the, that was one of the times you really got who no, I was. Right? Exactly. And, and I, you know, I, I loved Diane. I, I, I had wonderful experiences of, of intimacy and being with her. And then I'd have this, these, this, you know, she's not it kind of images come up and, and that was painful for me. And so the, and, and I, at the time I was working with, with trying to alter my perception. Um, uh, it's one of the things I teach about, and and can I because I I had seen myself. Sometimes I look in the mirror. I'm sure everybody in that has it, in, in, who's listening to this, has this experience of you know looking in the mirror. And some days you look great, and other days you look you don't look great. And it's the same you there. And uh, what is it? What's the basis of that perceptual change? Well, I'd have that same kind of perceptual change with with Diane. And um, and when I wasn't experiencing it, that she was beautiful and that, you know, she was my, you know, I was totally thrilled to be with her. Um, I would be it, it would it would be very uncomfortable. I'd be in pain, actually, in terms of of trying to reconcile this. And so um, starting to understand that mechanism um, has gradually led to me seeing Diane more and more beautifully. I actually there was a picture. I came up to the house at one point and I was here. 
um, alone. And I saw this old picture of her that I hadn't particularly liked before. And all of a sudden I saw her as beautiful. And so I like, whoa, that was the same picture that was sitting there, you know, months ago. And here, here it is. And I'm seeing it differently. And um, Does that answer your question, David? I'm, yeah. Are we going in the direction? Yeah. Yeah. This is the level that we're, we're getting there. Um, so if I could play devil's advocate for a minute, what about someone who would say, well, well, gee, Diane, what if, uh, what if, what if maybe there are some relationships where you really should leave and walk down the road? Yeah. How, how do you know when to run and when to play it the way you played it? Yeah, I, I, that's a very great question because I had one woman who said to me, girl, where was your pride after she read our book, Falling in Love Backwards? And my answer to her was, my pride was right there, screaming bloody murder to get out of there. And I think that for me, I wanted to listen to that other voice. I wanted to listen to that deep, tender, vulnerable voice. I was 60 at the time. And I'd been single for 30 years. And I, I thought, you know, I want a deep, intimate relationship. And there's something about being with Landon, which comes out in our book, where I was journaling a lot. And that deep voice was telling me, you stay open, you stay tender. And that's where I wanted to stay. And I, and I did. So I would say, yes, you know, maybe some people are just abusive. But see, I had the advantage, too, if I'd been with Landon in the sixth day. I knew who he was. I'd read his book, Living Awake. I knew he wanted a deep, intimate relationship. I knew he knew how to do it technically in the book. He described it. So, you know, that's that's where his qualifications. But, yeah, there's definitely some people you should just get away from if they're being abusive. But in this case, that wasn't that wasn't true for me. There was the other voice that I was listening to. Does that answer that? That helps. Yeah. So I also think, David, that you have to you have to recognize that there's certain you you have certain abilities. You're up to a certain level of being able to deal with the world. And if it becomes too oppressive and too, quote, negative, and you may just not be up to dealing with it. And um, I had, uh, you see, one of, the thing, one of the things that is part of our agreements, there's an agreement field that we establish, which I define in, uh, in The Awakened Relationship, my, my last book. Um, and part of that is, that we'll always tell the truth to one another and a truth of our experience. And sometimes those come out as quote, hurtful things or hurtful statements. In other words, you know, in a sense that it's going to upset the other person. Now, most people will avoid that upset, that potential upset. So they just won't say it. Then since it's not been said, it's going to get buried. And then it, comes out in other ways where you you withdraw some you you withhold your love you are are less attentive you you just all the things of withdrawing and you withdraw some of your love and some of your appreciation to the other person and um and so kind of reversing that process is one of the of the elements of using our methodology to it's a key element in terms of using our methodology to to really have the relationship that you want and i would say that the underlying thing is you have to really want to be enlightened you have to really want to heal all the blockages and barriers and the veils to reality 
that you've been um, sh uh, burdened by and had to live with all your life. You really want the freedom. And, um, and there is only one path for that, and that is through your upsets, through the unhealed hap uh, um, aspects of yourself, not avoiding them, not trying to put in strategies that will, you know, will say, well, we'll never go there. We're never going to talk about that so that we kind of maintain this status quo, uh, trying to hold on to what we had. And you have to be willing to throw, in a sense, into the fire what you had in order to create the next level of what you can have. That's good. What that structures or rituals or games do you recommend for your students and clients that create a safe and focused space to um, break up the patterns of communication so that someone has a safe and focused space to say what they really want to say and the other person is just listening and just getting it. Right. Okay. So I'll start by answering that. Um, we, we have a ritual where we, when we are going to have a date um, together to spend time, quality time, um, we sit down and talk first. And the, if there's anything that has happened that we haven't, gotten a chance to talk about we talk about that first um so that's one thing and then once that's all resolved then you know we have this incredible time together with really deep closeness um but the you know if something comes up during the day or, or whatever um i'll just bring it up and usually i'll just say there's something i don't want to talk about because you know these things are uncomfortable it's not it's not this is not an easy path but the benefits are so huge so I would say, you know, that's a real practice that we do is that we, we talk about everything and, you know, we just, we just face it, you know, we just bring it up and, and get through it. But the time that we put aside to talk before our dates is, is really huge and leads to nothing in the space between us that's unresolved, you know, and that's just such a rich richness. Is that, that started so answer it? But like for someone who hasn't done this before, do you have suggested questions? Do you have a suggested protocol, a suggested structure to, so that people can get their feet wet? Yeah. Well, yeah, neat awakened relationship. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the, that's why I wrote the awakened relationship to Which, say what are the what are the free, agreeing right? what are the agreements, what are the practices to be able to. Um, you know, to do this. And I'm happy to, to, to send a, uh, it's a 50 page P you know, you can, you can get it on Amazon, of course, but you could also, I'm happy to send it free as a PDF format. If someone sends me um, their email address, I'm happy to send out the awakened relationship uh, PDF. You go, you go to our website, fallinginlovebackwards.com, and you just click on it, and it'll give you the PDF. So. Yeah. Oh, so, great. Because I think this is the missing piece for many people who have, you know, like the things you were talking about earlier, where people are listening, because I can listen to my listeners, because I know my listeners. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are going, yeah, you know, he's right. Yeah, you know, he's right. Yeah, she's right. Yeah, you know, he's right. You know, they're telling the truth, but but how do I work with this material? How do I 
bring it into my visceral life. And so I think what I'm hearing is that this book called The Awakened Relationship might be a big part of that missing link to bring it down to earth for people. That was our hope. Yeah, that's why we wrote it, because people read our other book and said, well, how do we do this? You know, so I'm I'm, so I'm like the listener. I'm like the listener right now who just read your first book. Right. Who's goading you into sharing. Okay, well, well, now what? And so that's going to be, I think, a huge resource. And do you also I believe. um from my memory of reading it a long time ago when it first came out, you do also uh, address the issue in the beginning about some indicators for whether there's a, a good chance that you guys can make it work yeah. in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, ultimately David, if, if your paths are not supposed to be together, then you know, it's best to separate amicably. And so we indicated a couple of things, you know, was there a really good, uh, juicy connection at some point? It may not be anymore, but was there at some point a really juicy connection? Are your, another one is, are your values fairly consistent um, with each other? Otherwise, you know, it's difficult to live together and be together. And we're advocating living and being together. I mean, that's the relationship. It, it, that's how it brings things up. And do you both want this? Do you both want an awakened relationship? Do you both want a relationship where you do talk about things and resolve things? Because some people don't, and that's fine. But yeah. that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. We're, it's, it, ours is a challenging path, but the rewards are unbelievable because it brings you into this you know, when Diane's talking about dates, we're talking about, you know, the, our, the, in a sense, the methodology of creating being in love, not the falling in love, although we keep getting more and more in love. Um, it's, it's this deep, it's this wonderful lovemaking with ecstasy that's beyond anything we imagine, and it keeps getting better. That's what's unbelievable. And the key seems to be our deep, uh, intimacy in terms of there's no thought between us when we're being together intimately because we've talked about everything. Yeah. And uh, I just have to say, you know, we both, I didn't have, uh, my parents divorced when I was 17. I had a very bad example of, of relationship. And, you know, for us to experience this kind of harmony and love is so, um, it's just such a blessing. I, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful every day, mm. you know, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, so what are you guys up to these days? What's kind yeah, of so, on the cutting edge for you guys? Well, let me, let me do one thing first before I answer that question. And that is people have, people have, you know, if they, if they read The Awakened Relationship, which is really everything we have to say about this. At this point. At this point, yeah. You, um, want, you want to write another book called Living, living in Love. Living but in the um, other thing is that we're available for coaching. And sometimes right in the beginning to just get a little bit of practice of the going back and forth of of dealing with an upset. And by the way, mostly both people are upset at some level with their own complementary patterns. And so getting a little bit of understanding of how that works um, is uh, is sometimes useful. And that's, and we're available to do that. Could I just give an example? We had a, 
a couple recently that were just starting out and had an upset and we got them through that and now they're just doing great. Yeah. You know, just with one session. <clears throat> but then tell them about Bali. We're really excited. Yeah, well, we're excited because I'm I'm going to be teaching. Remember, the foundation principles of all of this are in Living Awake, my first book. And then the the story of how it manifested in our relationship is our book together, Falling in Love Backwards, uh, A Unlikely Tale of Happily Ever After. And, and that has interwoven the principles, but it's not as clear in terms of, okay, how, how do we actually do it? And that's the, uh, the final book, uh, The Awakened Relationship. And, and so those three books actually define what we're talking about in terms of this, this path to enlightenment using the intimate relationship as the vehicle. And of course, there's wonderful rewards with uh, the lovemaking and the intimacy, et cetera, and having that whole sense of, of, of uh, satisfaction and foundation and solidness in one's life. Now, the other, so we've been invited to be in Bali in the month of October. And we're going to be doing, I'm going to be presenting these ideas and teaching people um, these ideas in two formats. One will be a three-day intensive that will go from the very, in the first week of, uh, of October um, for those three days from the, I think it's the fourth, fifth, and sixth, but anyway. And then I will be teaching um, starting the 11th of October, I'll be teaching a 28-day yoga teacher's training intensive where I won't be doing the asanas. <laughs> I'll be doing the, um, you know, this more the, uh, the, the, the uh, knowledge and wisdom uh, and, uh, and uh, human potential, have your life be the, what, you, what you always wanted it to be portion of that training. And that's all under the auspices of Radiantly Alive. And um, if you went to, I think, www.radiantlyalive.com, you would find those trainings. They're going to be in Ubud in Bali, wonderful, beautiful setting at a deluxe ho hotel and all vegetarian and That's for the 28 food, days. Yeah, uh, et cetera. And um, as I said, and before that, I'll be doing an intensive on this material um, uh, in, in Bali. So Yeah, so if anybody wanted to come and spend three days working with Landon, um, like the old days, that would be October 4th, 5th, and 6th, and it's about $400 um, in Bali. It does not include the room and board, but it's, it's going to be, you know, lots of opportunities there for places to stay, and they're going to get that on their website at radiantlyalive.com very soon we're just in the creation stage of this right now but it should be up in the next week or so by the time yeah. this gets aired it should be up yeah. are you going to put a link from your site to their site yes. oh yeah yes okay we are and also if people sign up on our website they'll get our newsletter we'll have updates on it about once a month we send out our newsletter and they'll and they'll get as i said the, the awakened, awakened relationship pdf if they yeah. sign up go ahead and give your website address again Okay, so um, the Falling in Love Backwards is just basically www.fallinglovebackwards.com, and that's where you can get the free PDF of Awakened Relationship. You can sign up for our newsletter so you hear all about Bali. Um, I have a website, dianecovingtoncarter.com, 
where I have information about everything with my writing and books that I've published separate from these other books. And Landon, yours is? LandonCarter.com. Yeah. And that's for all of the information. So, yeah, we just check in with us. We'll keep you up to date. And we're excited about Bali. We're really excited about that. Well, let me turn it back over to you guys to just check uh, in with yourselves to see if there's anything else that you'd like to communicate, either to just be complete for yourself with this conversation or anything else that you're moved to share with our wonderful listeners. And then we'll we'll close it out. Okay. Well, this um, I would just like to say that so I don't sound like a total shrinking violet. Um, you know, I was hearing my inner guidance and I was staying open and staying tender. But there were times when I would stand up to Landon and say, look, you know, um, you're being a jerk right now. And you know, there was one point I said to him, you're 66 years old. Are you going to go to your grave with your fantasies or are you going to get real? I'm real. And, you know, you you have some fantasy, but is this person going to be able to stand up to you when you're being a jerk right like now, like you are right now and go toe to toe with you? And the thing that would turn it around for me is that when I would stand up to him at times like that, he would get off it and he would realize, yeah, you're right. You know, so, um, you know, that that I just felt like I needed to put that in there, too. <laughs> so let me just uh, wrap this up with uh, with a couple of things. One is. Um, you should tell him that you called me I, I, your angel. I know. I'm One of the one of the things is that. Um, you know, Diane is my angel. She's the one that's come come back around to to save me from myself. And that it takes a strong person to be able to stand up to me. And so I, that's one of the things I greatly admire about Diane is that her her uh, you know the strength of her warrior strength in terms of you know being my my partner and the. And the real egalitarian e equality that we practice in, in our partnership, and and the other thing I want to just say, kind of this in parting, is that I have long I you know I've spent time in in India in the ashram and in the caves and in the silent meditations, and I found that I'm not and I mean I've enjoyed some of the ascetic practices. But my real joy is the discovery that a, an intimate relationship can be a path to one's enlightenment. And that as part of that, that the, there, there's, you might say, the shift in how we hold upsets and how we hold those uncomfortable moments are now, rather than something to be avoided, and they are some. They are a doorway to freedom, and that's what where it's just a shift, but it's a major shift in terms of the orientation to, of our lives, and it has led to just wonderful, beautiful, wonderful ecstasy to that place where we actually meet from time to time, at that place beyond time and form where Diane and I are, are experience the oneness of being only one with our two bodies kind of there in the, in the middle of this, of this space of oneness. And it is, if there's no mind, there's no thoughts, it's only just the joy of an ecstasy of, of the union of, I, I could say a God and goddess or, 
um, however one wants to hold that, of joining. And so um, that's the reward for the path that we're on. And I couldn't be more thrilled to be in it and happy to share it with others and hopefully that they can have uh, a similar experience because I couldn't wish anything more uh, onto us, somebody else. Yeah, and I thank you, Lynn. That's great. And I just want to say that we're always glad to hear from people. You know, after they've read the book, send us an email. And uh, if there's any way we can make a difference, we'd be glad to do that. We're thrilled to try and help. It's beautiful, both of you. You know, for me, what I'm hearing is that you're basically offering a tantric path to self-realization. I would say that's true without a lot of the trappings of Tantra, although... Um, no, I mean the true Tantra. I understand. Yep. That's yeah. Right. The true Tantric uh, responsibility for the conduction of love and energy as relationship and discovering what conditions allow that to show up and to be able to shared that with others. And, you know, one thing we didn't get into in this conversation very deeply is that, especially as we get older, in order to conduct this energy as a human being in a physical body requires some consciousness of care for the physical body itself. And we didn't get into that. And I don't know if you get into that in your writing or if that's going to be in your next writing, but certainly as people get older, my experience is, is that that's an important part of the equation as well. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, both of us, both of us exercise and, um, you know, take care of our bodies that way, both in terms of food and exercise. Yeah, we have a little organic farm and we grow our own food during the summer. And uh, it just it's just, yeah, we live very close to nature. And I think that makes a huge difference. But I also think, David, that that's a natural outgrowth of one's consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have to. to um, right. Yeah, it's it's just as you become more grounded in who you actually are, the natural things of loving others and empathy and compassion and taking care of your body body and, um, you know, why would you do something that's that's not that's that's harmful for your body, even for a moment moment of pleasure. So it's, um, you know, it it, it becomes an easier and easier thing to do, I think. That's good. Yes. You know, the Buddhists talk about right action. It definitely, it it does flow at some point. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you guys hanging in there with me as I was, you know, trying to get at a certain level in this conversation that I appreciate you guys kind of letting me guide it and having you kind of dance with me there because I think, that was the missing link that my listeners really needed. So thanks for, thanks for dancing with me. No problem. Great. We loved, we loved it. it. Yeah. Thank you, David, for inviting us. Appreciate the opportunity to share. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc. And today we've been exploring intimate relationships with Diane and Landon Carter. And I'm very grateful again to Diane and Landon. And of course, I'm grateful to you, the listener. There literally would be no freeing the body, freeing the soul without you. So I'm very grateful for all of you. And with that, we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now. Dr. David here again. 
I hope you enjoyed that interview with Diane and Landon. I was really, really moved by by both of them, and especially by Diane's willingness to continue to challenge Landon to look and go deeper and to be present with what she was experiencing and to continue to hold the space of possibility for what was possible for Landon and for their relationship, even when there were times when uh, she was kind of all alone in that and uh, just an extremely heroic, heroic woman there. And uh, it just reminds me again of the incredible power of vulnerability and the creation of space and feminine energy. And I really believe that uh, empowering women is one of the major keys to empowering all of us because it just seems to me like when women are in great shape, it brings out the best in men, in other women, in families, and in communities. And uh, I'm so inspired by their partnership and the contribution they're committed to making, not only to each other, but to our world. So I hope you enjoyed that. And until next time, we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. To access all episodes, including show notes, go to CuttingEdgeDoc.com. That's CuttingEdgeDoc.com. Lastly, if you love today's show, you can support Dr. David, his work, and the show by going over to iTunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment. Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.